0: Please stand for the reading of today's scripture. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Thank you.
1: All right. Good morning. Thank you. That was my dad. So, (laughs) yes, it was awesome. I love um, being able to take time to read scripture with you all. My name is Katie, and I am one of the pastors here at Hope City Church, and I'm just glad that you decided to join us as we continue our series through the book of James. We have been uh, spending... entire fall in this New Testament letter. Um, And as we have gone through we have seen that James uh, is saying that there is real faith, or what he calls living faith, and there's a difference between living faith and a dead faith. And he is telling us that how we can know the difference is by the results of our life, what our life looks like. And the question that we keep asking ourselves each and every week is, do I possess what I confess? Do I possess? What I confess? Does my life look like what I say I believe? So we're getting close to the end of the letter today, but James is yet again going to give us an opportunity to do some self examination on our lives in the area of the way we view people and the way we view our future. The way we view people and our future. This is just another example of how practical this book is because. Um James is saying that we often look at faith, look at our lives and we plan for our future without it, but we should. And we maybe take take our own, we overvalue our ability to judge someone else instead of looking to the word. And so we are reflecting on has my faith in Jesus changed the way that I view others or plan for the future? Has my faith in Jesus changed? the way that I view other people, or see my future? And let's stop and consider, like, should it change? Should a faith in Jesus, should a Christian believe or see their future differently than the rest of the world? Like, should we—is the relationship with Jesus so transformational that we should see retirement differently, how we plan for a wedding differently, go to college differently? Does Jesus really care about the day-to-day things? Does he really care about that? And he does. And you know why? It's because the Christian life is about placing our faith in Jesus. Placing our faith in Jesus and not in ourselves. And there are no, I don't think there's any other two, these two areas of our lives where we overvalue our ability than any other area is the way that we judge others and the way that we plan for our future. We think we have control over those two things. And James is going to paint some pictures for us today, um, what it looks like as we place our faith in ourselves and overestimate our abilities and what that results in. He's saying that we become judgmental and critical, presumptuous and greedy and arrogant when we overestimate who we are and forget who God is, but there is an alternative the alternative we can have is a full faith in Jesus Christ, in which gives us a proper view of who we are and who God is. And if that happens, we will be, it will completely transform the way we see people and the way we dream and plan for our future. Let me say it like this. A critical, judgmental, arrogant Christian is someone who has forgotten who they are and who God is. Let me show you. First, James talks about how we view people. And I don't know about you, but I've struggled with this um, a little bit because I don't wanna be a judgmental person. And I would say most of us don't wanna be a judgmental people, but we do have to make judgment calls in life. We have to make judgment calls. So we're making them all the time. Like, do you ever struggle with that a little bit? Like some people, like the only Bible verse they know is like, the Bible says that, says, judge not lest you be judged, right? But is that what the Bible really means? Does it mean that I can let anyone, like, babysit my children? Like, come on over, you just got out of prison. Like, come on over, 8 o'clock, right? <laughs> like, is that me being judgmental? Or is that just me making a judgment call? Like, is it okay to make judgment calls to say, like, who's allowed to teach my kids? Or who um, is allowed to help me with my, manage my money? Or um, or maybe like, who can be my pastor? Or it, can I have moments where I should, or should I never vote against someone because of what they viewed is differently than what I view? See, if Christians aren't supposed to judge people, then how am I supposed to pick a hairstylist or pick a dentist or pick a school, right? Obviously, um, James is not talking about making moral judgments because we make those daily. And people that say that we shouldn't, judge, then they are now judging us for judging, right? (laughs) So we have to make moral judgment, judgment calls in our life every day. But James is talking about judging in terms of determining the spiritual destiny of a person or the value of a person. And only that belongs to God. Only that belongs to God because judging the value of others is not only a violation of love and God's law, it's a violation of humility, James says, Who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor? A judging spirit, if you have a judging spirit, you're judging the value of someone else. And you're making assumptions that you just really don't know. You really have no idea where they are or where they've come from. And we're putting ourselves above God's laws, ourselves above God which is a repeat of what happened in Genesis. We're putting ourselves in God's place to judge someone else's value or where they are in their walk of faith. But only God is the judge. James says that he, God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. Only God has enough righteousness to be the judge because he created the law. He's the law giver. He didn't just make it up. He didn't just say, lying is bad. He is the God of truth. So he is the only one that can judge people and where they are in their faith, in their spiritual destiny. He also, it says that he has the power to destroy because he is the creator. If you create something, you have the power to destroy it. So only God can be the one that says, this is what that person deserves. This is what she deserves. This is what I deserve. All those things. Only God can do that because he created us but the most important thing that James says here is that he has the power to save. God is the only judge because he took the punishment for us on the cross and the ultimate judgment. He has the power to save and it's because of the cross that he is able to judge, be a jud- the only judge for us and we don't have that power what happens is when we begin to judge where someone else is in their faith or their spiritual destiny, we've forgotten the gospel. We have forgotten the gospel that says we are more sinful. I am more sinful than I'll ever know, but I'm more loved by God than I will ever realize. As believers, we recognize our need for a savior through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been humbled and we know that God's grace is the only reason that we're still standing here. And a judging spirit, judging someone else for that is the very, is we're going against the very faith that we believe in. Christians should never judge the value of a person because we know the truth about who we are and how badly, how badly we need a Savior. But when you criticize, we're forgetting the truth about who we are and assuming the worst about another person. Usually, we're judging their motives, not their actions. We're judging why they do the things that they do. Maybe you're saying like, oh my gosh, they're just so angry with their kids. I am so glad I am not that angry. But we have no idea. They could be less angry today than they were two years ago. We have no idea where they've come from, where they started. We're judging the motives of someone else rather than their actions. Only by accepting God's amazing grace for our lives can we then say, God, I give the grace to, the other, to someone else. Only He can be the one that judges. And we, but we have to accept that the grace of God that we don't deserve and keep reminding ourselves of that so that we, and we know, and when we forget the truth about that, when we, put, we place our faith in ourselves, in our abilities, in the things that we see as good or bad, we become critical and judgmental people. But also, James talks about how when we forget about God and the gospel and how it affects our plans for our life. It says in verse 13 through 16, it says, Look here, you say, today or tomorrow, I'm going to a certain town. I'm going to stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will look like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and such boasting is evil. Day after day, we make plans and predictions of what the future is supposed to look like. We overestimate our ability to be able to handle tomorrow or control the future. And we forget about God. When we forget who we are in Christ, we forget that we... Cannot judge others, but then we also forget to bring him into our plans and our future. We forget, assume, and then James says, "How do you know what it will be like tomorrow?" But the worst thing we can do is to forget or ignore the Lord. Forget or ignoring him is hurtful. Being forgotten does not feel good. I read, or I heard somewhere that this this writer said, "There's nothing. There's only thing worse than a bad review." a bad review of a book that bashes his writing or says the topics off or whatever, the only thing worse than a bad review is no review at all, is to be forgotten. And if we're being honest, we would say that we forget God on a daily basis. It feels awful to have your name not on the invite list or to be overlooked for a promotion. There really is nothing worse than being forgotten by someone you love or someone you respect. It's hurtful. Only thinking about God on Sundays, or maybe 15 minutes in the morning, or only thinking about him when you pray over your dinner. Jeremiah 2.32 says, does a young woman forget her jewelry, or, or a bride, or her wedding dress? Yet for years on end, my people have forgotten me. That says that we don't forget the things that are important to us. I have never seen a bride forget her dress, right? <laughs> like say yes to the dress. But God says, my people have forgotten, forgotten me. We go about our lives, our daily lives, making plans and forgetting to consider the Lord, making reference to him without recognizing the importance of relationship with him. And in fact, in Psalm nine, it says that forgetting God is actually wicked. Not only is it hurtful to forget to put him in the center of our lives, it's wicked. But it goes on to say, if for those who remember God will be remembered. Those who remember God will be remembered. And this is a profound but fair truth. God says, if you forget me, I will forget you. But if you focus on me, I will focus on you. If you remember me, I will remember you. James is putting things in perspective for us. Our life is like a fog. It's like the fog this morning when you woke up on your windshield and it goes away like that. Our life is very short. And he's saying it's gone tomorrow. We have no idea as Christians. We know where we'll be in a million years, but we have no idea what tomorrow looks like. And James is putting it in perspective that we should say, if it's the Lord's will, I will live. If it's the Lord's will, I will live. He's saying our lives are fleeting. So we must remember the God who created us. It's dangerous to simply just go through life making plans and be in a relationship or make an appointment or travel here or go there or take this job all while forgetting the God who created you. Putting life into our hands and under our control to fail to connect with what we're doing with what God has done for us and who God is. James is not saying don't make plans. He is saying you are not in control of your future. And that's actually a good thing because God is, right? As Christians, we do know where we will be in eternity, but we don't have any idea what's going on tomorrow. And we plan our lives with only ourselves in mind We overestimate our value. I don't know, pull up my planner and it probably is centered kind of around me, right? Not about my relationship with the Lord. We schedule things without even considering him. And then, but if we're being honest, like when we look to the future, when we plan without bringing God into it, we see the future in one of three ways. The first way we see it is anxiously. Sometimes we get anxious, we get nervous, we get scared. We're anxiously looking to the future as like, okay, if I I do all this right, then my kids will be awesome, right? Or I am looking at the bank account, and I'm freaking out, and I'm anxious. Like, when we forget about God, when we're not focusing on Him, we look to the future, look to tomorrow anxiously, nervous, scared of what the future might hold. The other way we see the future is helplessly, feeling like there's no hope, feeling like you're always going to have this dead-end job that... There's nothing you can do. Why even try? Why should I even try to fix it? Or feeling helpless because you have uh, a sickness or your family's sick and you feel helpless that they don't know the Lord or feeling like you have no hope in anything. When we don't have God in the center of it, we can feel like our future is helpless. But then the last way that we see our future when we don't consider the Lord or have any reference to him is pretentiously. Not necessarily a word we would normally use, but it is the word that James used and it is what we struggle with. The word pretentious means attempting to impress by affecting greater importance or talent. What does that mean? It means I'm putting stock in my own abilities. Stock in myself. Saying that I know what the future holds. I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that and never once thinking about what God wants for us. We boast in our own self-confidence in our, and then we plan based on our skills and abilities and believe that we can handle it. Sometimes the worst thing for me specifically is to fix a problem without any reference or guidance to God because it feeds my own confidence in my own abilities. I end up putting stock in myself in the things that I need to do. I catch myself saying like, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. If things fall apart, we're going to pick up the pieces. It's going to be good. That is me overestimating my abilities and overvaluing the fact that I think that I have control over my life. For me, when I begin to feel out of control, I start really planning things. I'm going to pull up my planner and I'm going to plan out every single hour of the day, and I'm going to meal prep, and I'm going to do this, and it makes me feel like I have control over the future. But really, I'm just pretentiously looking at my own abilities and boasting in that, And and James says that that is evil. Putting my trust in the Lord in my life and remembering him in every area of my life is something that I am wrestling with and something that we all wrestle with to remember him and not forget about him, not to do things without reference to God. And um, so a couple months ago, I kind of started hiking. Uh, This is kind of something I've been doing for a couple months. I love it. I've been, I don't know about you, I'm like an outdoorsy person. And it's like, a. I call, I tell Brad, it's called a restful adventure. I feel rested after I, Go hiking and so I've been doing that to kinda of spend time with the Lord, but then I took Brad with me uh, one time. We did this when it was actually a pretty decently hard. We have a I have an app on my phone that tells you it's an easy, moderate, or hard uh, trail. So it's a moderately hard trail. We're going um, up this hill and kinda of, he's the one doing the directions though. He's like making sure we're staying on the right path. Like we gotta go this way to go this to do this three miles, we gotta go this way. And I'm like, Ooh, mushrooms. Ooh. This looks beautiful, and I'm like, "Hey, Brad, look at this tree!" And it's like this tree right in the middle of the trail that's like skinny, and then the bottom's like looks like it has a growth. And I'm like, "Check out this tree!" And Brad's like, yeah, I'll "Be there in a minute. I'll be there. In a minute. I'm good." No, it was awesome. So we, I've been doing this hiking thing with him, but then I also take time to just really reflect and spend time praying to the Lord. And so I decide to take the same trail that Brad and I did a couple weeks ago. Um, A couple, it was, I think it was last Friday when it was raining. It was beautiful. It was like amazing out, and I'm just like praying. And, you know, I am like the pray out loud person while I'm walking, so don't you judge me, okay? No judging here, right? So I am walking, I am praying, and I just keep feeling, and I'm like, Okay, God, I want to walk with you. I want to go forward in my plans with you. What can we do? How can I do this every single day, every hour, every moment? And I kept hearing him say, like Matthew 11:28, 28, so come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, because if I'm being honest, thinking and planning for the future, worried about my family, worried about my friends, worried about my church, feels heavy, like a burden. But if you keep reading, it says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And the burden I have is easy and light. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, what does that mean? Take my yoke upon you. I'm going to be yoked with you. We're going to walk together. And I'm a visual person. So I'm like, we are going to tackle this hill of these hikes together. All right, God, we're walking. I'm going forward. I'm going forward in my plans with you. We're walking together. I'm like, yes, God. Okay, great. This is what it feels like. Okay, there's a hill. We're going to do this together, Lord. Come on. We're going. Yes, God. Thank you so much. And I look back and the hill's done. I'm like, oh, that's what it feels like when you're walking with God. Easy and light. And it was like, man, we just tackled that hill together. I'm so, this is easy and light. I can bring God into my plans and into my future and it feels easy and light. And then I get to like this, um sign that's like, you can go left, or you can go right. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't remember which way to go. I'm like, I think it's left, 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 left. Bad thing is, is if I go the wrong way, I'm doing like, doing like a 10-mile hike instead of a half-mile hike. And, and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm just gonna go. So, yeah, so I'm going, I'm still praying, praying. All of a sudden, I start getting a little light, just like, okay, okay. Accidentally, I'm doing a 10-mile ten, hike. Only do I not, do I not think I can actually make, make a 10-mile hike. I have, to pick, I have to pick my kids from school. I need, to, I need to get my phone out play my phone out check my see, see where i am need to call, call brad see if i've worked yet Yeah, he might have kids from school school because i am like have no idea how i going to be or me or maybe a mom figure that out and all of a sudden i see the the tree that i saw, saw two weeks ago and I like kind of laughed at myself and was like god like remember we're in this together you're over here, over here trying to grab your map and freak out, but I'm telling, telling you, I'm reminding you that we are walking together. You have no, nothing to worry about. We are walking together. The three was a reminder that God and I are walking and working together. Instead of me sitting here being pretentious and pulling out my phone and fixing the problems, because I will fix the problems. I will call somebody. I will be like, I am on a hike and I'm good to go. and we're gonna, I need you to go get the girls. But instead, God reminded me that we are walking together. I'm overestimating my abilities, and we all have like this default that we fall to, whether it's anxious or helpless or pretentious. We fall into that, but we are putting our faith in ourselves instead of putting our faith in God and remembering that God is in control and not us. So as believers, if we're not supposed to see the future anxiously, helplessly, or pretentiously, how are we supposed to? to look to the future? How are we supposed to make plans for our life? Paul says in Philippians 3, verse three through four, it says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul is like, if anybody should be confident, it should be me. But Paul's like, I put no confidence in human effort. I rely on Christ Jesus and what he has done for us as believers. We look to the future humbly, humbly saying, we do our best, but we're going to trust that God knows best. We're going to do our best. We're going to make plans, but the outcomes are on God, and we're going to trust him Trusting that He knows best. Humbly placing our confidence in the Lord because we know that Scripture says that He will complete the good work that He has already started in you. Confidently saying that He is in control. We have to remember to give him control daily, hourly, saying, Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you. Charles Swindoll says, Deep, contended joy comes from a place of complete security and confidence in God in the midst of trials. James says, We ought not say, if what we should say is, If the Lord wants me to, we will live. If this is what God wants, we will live. And it's not just some magical statement like, Lord willing. We'll do that. It's saying, I am understanding that it is by God's grace that I am here today. It is by God's grace that I live. James is like, you you still make plans. Yes, you do. In verse 17, it says, remember it is a sin to know what what you ought to do and then not do it. Meaning you still need to be a good steward with the things that the Lord has given you, but you're not putting it on your shoulders. You're going to do your best. We're going to do our best, but trust that God knows best. Trust his will for our life. James is warning us against prideful planning that doesn't acknowledge the Lord and so, the Lord's sovereign ruling over our lives. We need to humbly plan in a way that remembers and recognizes that we are not in control, confidently knowing that we are far, that his will for our life is far better than we could ever imagine. Can I give you some? truth today that I found out the other day. My friend sent this to me. It was amazing. It was like, God doesn't need you to finish your to-do list. Why? Because if my to-do list is on his to-do list, it'll get done. It's not on my shoulders. If the things on my to-do list are on God's to-do list, he will complete them with or without me. Our hope and our confidence is not in ourselves or our ability. Psalm 71 says, oh Lord, you alone are my hope. I trust in you from my childhood. As believers, we can humbly look to the future knowing that he is in control and we don't have to be. Remembering his grace. James is like, we are nothing and know nothing without him. Remembering his grace. And we we can take every situation in our life, any plan, any moment and remind ourselves the only reason we are standing here today is because of the grace of God. How different would our life be if we truly believed that? I bet it would feel light and it would feel easy. As we remember that God's grace keeps us and holds us and takes us through. We will still, we will still have moments where we worry, where we cry, where we weep, where we, ha- where we just have moments where life just gets the best of us. But it will not tear us down. We will no longer have superiority or inferiority complexes. We no longer feel pressure to perform or succeed. Life and plans will feel light and easy as we remember the Lord in the middle of that. Because God's grace is what carries us through. But why? But why? We said earlier that if we forget God, he forgets us. Why does God continue to carry us when we would admit that we probably forget him on a daily basis? God remembers us because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because of his sacrifice, remember what he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is saying, why have you forgotten me? And God turned his back back. And let his son die on the cross so that we could be remembered. Jesus took our forgottenness on the cross. And it's by his grace that we can stand here today. And God says we are now written on the palm of his hand. He remembers us. And we can remember him. It is only by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that that is true. We have to remember who we are and who God is and what he has done for us. Knowing who we are in God allows us to truly love our neighbor and not judge them. It allows us to humbly say, your will, your will, Lord, not mine. No matter what life brings, your will, not mine. Because we're going to do our best, but we trust that God knows best in just a moment our worship team is going to come up and actually they can start making their way up here and we're going to have an opportunity for communion. There's tables down here in the back and Jesus told us to take communion in remembrance of him. As we remember him, his body that was broken so that we could be saved. Because if we're being honest, Jesus is the only one who could judge and look down on people. But instead of looking down on us, he came to us, not to condemn us, but to save us. And he's the only person who could choose his own path and he even went to God and tried to change that path. He's like, take this cup from me. But eventually he got to a place where he could ultimately say your will, God, not mine. But it was because of his love for God and his love for you that he went to the cross for us and by his grace, we can live So during this time, take time to reflect and ask God for forgiveness on the days that we would say we have forgotten him as we make plans or we've forgotten grace as we begin to look down on others. Take time to say, God, help me to remember you. Help me to remember where I came from. Help me to remember the gospel that says I am unconditionally loved by my heavenly father. But before we take uh, communion and worship together, I want to go ahead and grab our worship guides, and we're going to pray a prayer together. We've been doing this through um, the series, the book of James, and so we're going to continue. I'm going to read this top part, and then in the bold, I would like for you uh, to join in. Say, oh God, here I am again, standing too tall, seeing myself with greater admiration than I deserve. It's not because of your great love. ...or the great work of your son Jesus that I am filled with pride today... ...but rather because I have once again believed in my efforts, my talents, my plans... ...are a credit for my success. I have believed the same old tired temptations that still prove effective... ...putting my faith more and more in myself... ...assuming the best about me and the worst about others... ...until I crash again on the rocks of reality... ...rediscovering my pride and limitations... In those moments of failure, humiliation, or hypocrisy, I'm reminded again that I am not in control. I lack the ability to secure the future I want, but you are in control, and you are always working, even in the inconsistencies and disappointments of my life. So once again, I come to you, admitting my limitations and embracing the unlimited love you offer me. Let's read this part together. Keep me, Lord on my knees so I cannot look down on others or look ahead to the worries of tomorrow. Amen.